Hi guys, and welcome to the Uncovering Podcast. Today I'm joined by the all-inspiring Michael Barrington Hibbert, the founder of Barrington Hibbert Associates and a co-founder of the 100 Black Interns Program. So I know I've said this to you on a couple of messages, but I really did find your interview with um, Invest Black UK. Very inspiring. Like it made me think so much about what am I doing to give back to the community, even after the interview. And ever since I've seen that, I really wanted you um, to come on our platform. So firstly, for our, for our audience, would you like to speak a bit more about Barrington Hibbert Associates, what the business does, and maybe touch on your three main pillars? Sure. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you for having me, Marcus. And uh, we were just speaking off air, and I, I want to say that you absolutely inspire me. So uh, um, thank you so much for having me on your platform and uh you know, greetings to your to your listeners. Um, look, I'll, I'll speak very briefly um, about my organisation, and, and frankly, it's not necessarily about my organisation that I'm keen to speak to you about today. I'm I'm really keen to um, provide any guidance around being a, a black person in the UK, being an entrepreneur, um, and also being about philanthropy. But I, I will answer your your initial question. Um, Barrington Hibbert Associates is a, an executive search, leadership and development and diversity firm. We were established in 2010 and we work with investment banks, hedge funds, professional services organisations and asset managers to find talents. Okay, so in the executive search side of the business, if you think about, we were talking about football earlier, um, Marcus, um, Sheffield Wednesday, go to an agent and say, look, we need to find a holding midfielder. Um, that agent will try and go out and find someone that meets their criteria. That's similar to what we do, um, but we will be paid up front by the club or by the, by the clients and go out and find talents. If we then move into the leadership and development um, side, and let's stay with the football theme and analogy here. Um, once the talent is, is, is acquired by a firm or by a company, we also have a team of professionals who are coaches. Um, so if that holding midfielder is struggling to adapt to the high pressing game that Leeds United play, for example, um, my organisation will go into, in this case, a asset management firm and provide coaching development for that individual to be able to maximise their potential. And the final theme with our business is diversity. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm black. Um, as you know, with regards to um, George Floyd's killing in, on May the 25th, there's been a real drive with regards to BLM. There's been a real drive to diversity and greater inclusion. This has been a big pillar within our business for the last 10 years. So what we do as an organization, um, we um, provide race workshops for organizations. We do reverse mentoring of senior management to really understand um, the black and ethnic minority experience that employees in organizations um, have. So hopefully that gives you a, uh, a macro level feel of, of my organization in terms of what we do. 
we have an office in London and we have uh, an office in New York. Yeah, that was that was extremely clear. Clear. Thank you for that. My pleasure. Uh, just just um, touching on that final point of diversity. Um, when starting a new um, business, a lot of people would try and prioritize profits and making their business as secure as possible. However, I've seen from your website, you established um, the Barrington Hibbert Foundation only two years after the founding of the company. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to explain um, what this foundation does and why your firm was looking to target diversity so early after its creation? Marcus, I have to say that's a mic drop moment. Your your research is impeccable. Um, Thanks for that question. So I I want to step back for for a second because um, I wasn't necessarily surrounded by the typical entrepreneurs that I'm coming across with people like you, Marcus. You know, your generation is off the charts in terms of um, creation and entrepreneurship. Um, the The first person, the first CEO, the first entrepreneur, Marcus, um, and it's linked into your question um, that I came across was the, the CEO of 17 Rumbury Circle in Northwest London. Um, this CEO managed on scarce resources, um, really had to sweat their balance sheet to make um, the business and her staff um, be able to maximize that potential. Um, and that CEO was my mum. So I was very fortunate that my my mum, single mother, um, she held a full-time job. She didn't get any financial support from my father. She sold uh, makeup um, in the evening. She she hosted various different bits and pieces to make ends meet. Ends meet, sorry. And you know that for me was my my first experience of working with an entrepreneur. And um, one of the things that my mum always said to me, Marcus, and again we'll speak in the air about the importance of, of, of how much our parents have meant to us, is you always said to me about giving back um, because it takes a community in order to be able to transcend and create wealth creation. So after founding um, Barrington Hibbert Associates in, in 2010, um, I and the firm were, were returning a profit. Yeah, we were absolutely turning a profit. It wasn't huge. Um, but we were also involved in mentoring and going into inner city schools. Um, there was a school in um, Lewisham called Christ the King College. And we just saw some brilliant talent markers, brilliant, brilliant talent um, at the A-level um, level. But unfortunately, some of the kids that we were mentoring just weren't able to afford to go to university. Um, and, and some of the, fee, the, the fees that we would charge our clients were huge. So we just made a decision, my partners and I, that we would create Barrington Hibbert Foundation, which is a scholarship which is open, open to all students um, in full-time education, sorry, across the United Kingdom. Um, it's not necessarily the criteria. You don't have to be black. You just have to be a full-time student from a a lower social economic um, uh, background, and we would consider your application. So in the eight years that the, the scholarship has been um, running for, we've, we've put through um, 52 students um, in terms of financial support 
through university. So again, it's always important to give back. Um, and that's, that's my gift um, that I am doing. And, and you're doing the very same with this podcast. Yeah, that is, that is really inspiring. And I think um, it's so good because it was out of the, the kind of goodness of your heart. A lot of um, firms, they'll see an event like George Floyd's killing and um, I don't want to say take advantage, but they feel um, the social pressures to do more for diversity when they should already really be doing that. Yeah, look, Marcus, I, I, I get you. And this is something which I've wrestled with over the last sort of six, six months and actually the last 10 years. You know, there, there are some wonderful people um, and wonderful allies trying to make a difference, trying to make a difference. Um, but some of the times the people who are trying to make the difference are in, you know, middle management roles, lower roles. And it's like pushing a, a big rock up a hill. And the only difference that I've, I've seen over the last couple of months, Marcus, is the fact that the momentum um, is now starting to be driven from the top. There's been the CEO of Elgin, which is one of the largest um, asset management firms who have made a commitment that they won't support organizations in their portfolio if they don't have a diverse leadership team. There are other organizations like Wells Fargo and other banks who have come out and said that they've set targets but also going to link um, their diversity targets with um, the, the financial bonuses of their leadership team. But I think just going back to my point, um, I was educated in the States, Marcus. So um, if some of your, your viewers or your listeners don't know my background, um, I, I played um, professional football very briefly in the United Kingdom. And um, I left school... Um, at 16 with one GCSE. Um, I grew up in an environment, Marcus, where um, in inner city London, there was maybe three or four ways to escape um, our social economic um, environment. One was sports. So I was growing up in the 80s. Um, the, the, the role models that I saw on TV were the likes of John Bonds, um, who used to play for Liverpool. He's maybe the sort of... Um, the Sterling or Marcus Rashford type of icon today to give you a comparison. So it was sports. The other avenue was, was um, entertainment. So growing up, there was Michael Jackson and Prince. So that's showing you my age. Um, and the third, the, third, the third theme, and I'm not proud to say this, but growing up, we, we, we perceived the only way to get out was maybe crime. So there was three, three areas. And, you know, we, we didn't feel... Um, at that age, that education was necessarily a platform for us to be able to transcend poverty. So I made the decision that I was all in when it came, came to football. Um, so I left school at 16 and within four years, so at the age of 16, I was playing at um, the old Wembley Stadium. Um, some of my, my teammates in the U England youth set up, um, you may not know some of these names, but they were you know, established great premiership careers, the likes of Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Michael Owen, um, grown in that sort of era. But within six, four years of playing with those types of players, um, I was on the scrap heap and I was working in the petrol station 
at night to baby to basically supplicate, supplement my income. So I was very, very fortunate to um, be given the opportunity to go to the United States on a, on a sports scholarship. And I was 20 at the time, Marcus. And for me, that was the first time, the very, very first time that I saw black role models who were lawyers, black role models who were doctors, black role models who were um, professors, business owners. Um, and that, that's where my life changed. Um, that's where I put all of my focus um, into academia. And, you know, for me, in terms of that pillar, education is really important. Another pillar that I will say to your listeners is, is super important is network. Network will equate to your net worth, um, ultimately. Um, and that's why I was super delighted when you reached out to me um, to connect, you know, you know, who am I? I, I would love, I love to see talent like you, Marcus, and your listeners transcend. You know, this is my first podcast. So you're helping me because this is my first. So, so really, I think the message that I want to give to you and to your, to your listeners is to, you know, certainly embrace education. There are more black um, role models out there um, doing their thing. Um, reach out. Don't be scared to send notes that you did, Marcus, because if you didn't send the email, you would never have known and we wouldn't be at this stage as well. So, you know, I think there's consistent themes throughout my life and my experience that I would, I would love to sort of share with, with you and your listeners. Yeah, I think um, definitely I'm starting to see, um, well, growing up, I've had those type of Marcus Rashford type figures, the Raheem Sterlings, and it's getting easier for them to speak out about their kind of um, racist experiences. Yeah. I think firms are doing a lot more to kind of um, tackle this. And so do you think um, having role models is the most important um, benefit of diversity? And do you think there's anything more firms could be doing to kind of tackle this issue of diversity in their, inside their firms? Yeah, great, great question. Look, I, I think it's, it's not just one, um, one facet that needs to be addressed. I think it's got to be a multitude of initiatives, Marcus. So um, I'll, I'll talk about um, 100 Black interns um, at some stage. I know you're keen to t discuss that. But I think one of the things that um, organizations need to do is, is look at entry points, okay? So if you look at, again, you're very fortunate, you're at a wonderful university. Um, but if we look at the Russell groups and look at it from a statistical standpoint, so data is really important here, that the intake for black students at Russell Group University is, university, sorry, is 3.5%. And we look at um, the total amount of um, black students just going to university this year equates to 8%, which is huge, okay? Um, but if we look at the, the banks and the professional services firms and the FTSE 100 firms who have all these wonderful graduate schemes, they all tend to hire from the Russell groups, which is great, which is fantastic. Um, however, they're missing out on some wonderful, talented um, individuals. Um, so for example, if we look at London Metropolitan University, their student intake is 38% of black students. If we look at Coventry, Colchester, Essex, Middlesex, they're in the high 30%, but they're not part of 
um, the normal campus round recruitment. And a lot of the, a lot of the students who go to these universities are, are, are as academically gifted as, as you and I, Marcus, but may not have the financial um, um, ability to go to a Russell Group or move away from London to, to Nottingham. So one of our key recommendations to organisations is to really sort of focus on their entry point, to, to widen the net, to be able to incorporate talent um, at these other universities. Um, if we then also then take a step and once, once people get into the organisations through these university programmes, we then need to look at middle management. And that's where um, role models come into effect because statistically once, and I'll talk from a banking standpoint, we have such a massive fallout between three and five years because these banks get great talent in, black talent in, but historically after three to five years, 50%, 50% of this talent leaves the organization. Why? Um, and there's, there's components where they talk about role models or lack of role models. There's a talk of um, a lack of understanding um, by their, their, their management. There's, a, there's, a, there's talk about um, not being able to be your authentic self when you're going to work. So we're, we're working with organizations to make sure that middle management is receiving the coaching to interact um, with a diverse workforce on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, because sometimes you, you may think differently, which is a great thing. You may talk differently and approach things differently. So it's really important that organizations start investing um, into their middle management to get the best out of the diverse talent that they have within the organization. And I think the final point, and again, there's multiple other points, but the third other aspect is around making sure that there is senior black representation at the senior management level. So it's breaking the glass ceiling. Um, so again, I'll go back to when I played football. Um, in, in my, in my uh, youth career and in my professional career, and, and we're talking about 10 years, multiple teams, you know, county, city, regional, youth team, professional team. Um, and I've maybe had I would say between 50 different coaches in that time. I've only had one black coach, one black coach, and his name was Colin Cardines. And I think he's, he ended up at Liverpool um, doing some, some role there. But I played, I only played with him for one year. And Marcus, I played my best football with Colin Cardines. And the reason being is that he got me, right? He, he understood me. He understood that I came from a single parent household. And I, it doesn't define me, but he spoke to me with respect. He put an arm around me. He engaged me. And Marcus, you used to be a player. I wanted to go to war for this guy. You know, I wanted to go the extra mile in training, in games, not to let him down because he understood me. And I think really once organizations realize, realize the power of diversity, and how it contributes to the bottom line, okay? It makes better business sense. It, it gives organizations a competitive edge by having a diverse workforce um, in their organization. So I, I think there's, there's been 
numerous amounts of case studies which demonstrate this. And there are organizations who are really, really invested in bringing in more diverse talent into their organization. So hopefully, again, I can talk to you about this all day, but hopefully that's maybe just sort of giving you some indications or some of the initiatives that these firms are, are looking to put into place. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree, especially with the point about um, Russell Group Unis, because even at my age now, and looking back to last year at college when we're going through the application process, some of my friends, they didn't apply to those top unis, the Oxford, Cambridge, Warwick, UCL, because they didn't feel like they were going to fit in in a way. Mm. Uh, yeah, look, you know, Marcus, I, I know my, my LinkedIn profile may not look this, but I'm 41. I know I look a lot younger, but <laughs> I, I, I still struggle with, with this as well. Um, this element of imposter syndrome. And we're, we're, we're advising universities in terms of what they can do more. And I actually want to talk to you about 100 Black Interns because this is a perfect segue into this. 100 Black Interns, um, I, I was really fortunate to, to be approached by a very good friend, um, a gentleman called Jonathan Sorrell, who is the president of Capstone Investment Advisors. And he previously was the, the president at Man Group. Um, he got myself, a gentleman called Wall, who is the managing partner of Livingbridge, one of the biggest private equity um, franchises across the UK, and a very good friend called Dawid, who is the founder, CEO of Reddington, and also the founder of Manistry. So Wall and Dawid um, are black, and, and Jonathan is um, a, a white Englishman. And he locked us in the room and, and you know, spoke about, we need to do more. We, you know, him as a, a senior individual within investment management just wasn't seeing enough black talent coming through the organization. And as a consequence, we made a decision to set up 100 black interns. Now, the initiative, um, Marcus, is, and so, so let me take a step back, actually. So the main focus of this program is actually to increase black representation within front office revenue generating roles. So this may not mean much to your listeners, but within the city of London, out of thousands and thousands of portfolio managers in London, so a portfolio manager is someone who, who makes decisions on money, who runs money. Um, we've been only, only, only been able to find 13 black portfolio managers out of thousands, thousands, we're talking about three, four, 5,000. Okay, so from a percentage point of view, it's, it's derisory return. So this was the benchmark of why we wanted to set up 100 black interns and put black um, interns into paid roles um, in the front office next year. So we set up the initiative with the plan of hopefully getting 100 firms signed up with the commitment that they will take one intern each. So hence the 100 black interns. There was a few sleepless nights, Marcus, because we weren't sure whether we'll get the support from the investment management industry. But frankly, we were overwhelmed um, to the point where we were oversubscribed and actually had to stop at 200 firms who had signed up wanting to be part of this initiative. So it's still called 100 Black Interns, but we've got 200 firms signed up. 
um, who have all committed to take a minimum of one intern to start next year. There are some firms who want to take two. There are some which want to take three. There are some which want to take five. Now, part of this initiative, it's a paid internship which starts next year. It will be a minimum of six weeks paid, um, which is important. Um, the roles predominantly will be based in London, but we've been very fortunate with some organisations who are outside of London, in Birmingham, um, in Edinburgh, who want to take interns on. It's a great, great initiative. Going back to, to the point where, where I wanted to bring this up is, you know, of course we want to get people like you onto the programme, Marcus, who, who attend Russell Group Universities. But our focus has been at the non-Russell Group Universities, really making a play to get more people from Coventry, from Essex, from Huddersfield, from Teesside Universities to apply for this programme who may not have thought about a career in financial services simply because they have a marketing degree or a technology degree or a law degree. The simple fact is, is that those degrees will still be relevant in investment management. So part of the thing that we're focused on, um, so for example, our, the deadline for applications is November the 13th. However, um, what we have been focused on, my colleague Dawid has been running numerous workshops to um, help educate students around the recruitment process itself. And one of the main themes that we've spoken about is being your authentic self. You know, you don't have to put on a posh voice um, in terms to, to be understood. You know, what we want from you know, um, the applicant is to put, if you've got a hair business or if you're, if you're, if you've co-founded Black Ivy Partners, or if you've got side hustles, put it on your CV, you know, talk about it because it's about innovation and it's about being your authentic self. Okay. But also what we've placed an emphasis on is with the firms, you know, the firms want to hire you. It doesn't matter if you come from a Russell Group University or you come from Colchester. These internships are, in many respects, an extension of your education. They want to be able to give you an opportunity of working in a professional environment, learning about new things. So they're not expecting you to have an economics degree. They're not expecting you to have an internship. What they are expecting is that when you do interviews that you've done research, you can talk about your CV, you can talk about who your role models are and why you're interested in this opportunity. So this program is open to all black students who have, um, the latest they've graduated is 2019 um, or in current full-time education. The program is also open to um, A-level students who have maybe taken a gap year and going to university next year. So again, it doesn't matter if you, you attend a Russell group, as long as you're in full-time education or have graduated from a UK university, whether it be undergraduate, master's, MBA, please send your application into 100 Black interns as soon as you can.